Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Conversations with experts in the field of sports today's someone who's an expert in a number of different facets in the world of basketball was a big time player in Seattle high school basketball circles from Franklin High School helped lead Eastern Washington their first two postseason appearances first time in the NIT and then the first NCAA tournament in 05 played overseas for 10 years and now he's an up and coming agent for representing a number of players in particular guys that are from the northwest alvin snow alvin thanks for joining how's life man great man thanks for having me dan it's always good to talk to you catch up with you man absolutely you know we we had a chance to text the other day um you know and for me it's exciting times because it's college basketball season i was able to call a game the other night with your alma mater, Eastern Washington at Washington State. What was your time like in Cheney at Eastern Washington? To be honest, man, it, obviously it was, it was a huge change coming from, quote, unquote, the big city to, you know, small town Cheney, but it was an amazing experience. It was uh, obviously eye-opening for a number of reasons, but but the things we were able to accomplish, I wouldn't train, I wouldn't trade them for the world, man. Um, having the opportunity to take that school to his first postseason play and then the NCAA tournament was, it was literally a dream. Um, so yeah, I had an amazing time in my time at Eastern Washington. I, amazing. You're Incredible. one of the, you're one of the kind of foundational pieces to Eastern becoming a very good program in the big sky. And I, quite frankly, I think Shante Leggins had them poised to maybe be an upset pick in the NCAA tournament a year ago before COVID shut down the tournament. I think they've got a chance to be very good this year. When you look at that program and where it went from, you know, early 2000s till now, what have been the constants in your mind? Um, Well, we know Shantae has been a constant, whether as an assistant and as a head, and now as a head coach, right? Um, but also what we've seen is um, they've been able to get guys not only from the region, but from also from they had to, they've, they've developed this real strong connection with Australia. Um, but what I'm enjoying about them in terms of gameplay is um, offensively, they just have figured out how to get guys in the open spaces. They really stretch you with their ability to just shoot the heck out the ball. Um, and then they just they, they find mismatches and they drive the heck out of you. They just put you in really compromising positions over and over and over again and create easy opportunities offensively that make it really difficult for them. To, um, and so I've always been impressed with the way that they play the game, um, especially from the offensive standpoint. Yeah, offensively, I think Shante does a really nice job. He changes, he changes the pace of the game or the look of the game with with kind of the, some of the different sets that they get, and he puts the defense in a bind. I think where they have to kind of make a decision. 
though his players, as you mentioned, have space. You had a you made a comment a minute ago. You, you were a kid who went from the big city of Seattle to Cheney, kind of on the outskirts of Spokane. And Spokane's not necessarily the big city itself, but Cheney is definitely a small college type of town. I'm yep. sure when with you living in Seattle now, you being really connected to the basketball scene there, you might get some questions from kids who are being recruited by smaller level schools about, hey, what was your experience like in the big sky? What was it like in a smaller city going to college as opposed to the big city? What, what are the type of experiences or advice that you share with kids if asked that question now? Well, I, I think one thing is you got, you got to know what you're doing it for. Um, if your objective is to get to, uh, if you want to win, you got to look at that as, is this a legitimate opportunity for me to win? If you want to go on and play professionally, you got to look at, is this a situation where I can just fully commit myself to becoming the best possible basketball player I can be? For me, that's what Eastern provided. It was a small town. There was not a whole lot going on. Like you said, Spokane is a nice size city. It's not Seattle, and I'm not here to compare. Say what, but but I, I want to say that because Cheney was such a small town and there wasn't a whole lot going on, I spent a ton of time in the gym, and I became a better shooter. I be, I started to see the game at a higher level. I, start, I, I just I was able to develop in a way that prepared me to play again, like you said earlier, ten years professionally. So that's the kind of opportunity maybe a small town can provide where you just don't have all the distractions that you would in, in let's say, a big city, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That was one thing for me in Spokane is, uh, you know, I lived a three-minute walk from my dorm or my apartment at Gonzaga to the gym as right. opposed to Seattle where, you know, I was still just off campus, but with traffic, sometimes it, make 20, it might take 20 minutes to get down to the gym and, and, and that – that can be hard for a young kid who just wants to be in the gym working on their game. Yeah, it's a challenge. And I think that these kids have to have to be honest with themselves and figure out what it is exactly that they want. And if, and if becoming a pro is what you really want, you got to make decisions that make sense. I can tell you a kid that I, I've been dealing with, I, I won't mention him by name, but I know he recently picked a school because of the action. Right, um, he's a high major recruit, uh, just committed and just signed actually. But he literally picked this school because of the, the access he has to the facility. I think that's a good decision. Tremendous decision based on on how things worked out for myself and, and access, like you talked about. Spending time in a gym is something that that true gym rats, guys who love basketball, have no problems doing. They want to be in the gym. When you look around the Seattle basketball hoop scene, I can you, – you know it well, way better than I do. But if you look at the list of guys that are from Seattle that have made it to high college basketball or playing in the pros, it's mind-boggling. What is it about yeah. Seattle basketball players and spending time in a gym that separates them? I think it's the fraternity, man. I think that all these guys not only know each other – but they support each other. Um, and then not only do they just support each other, they also hold each other accountable. They push each other. Um, you can find these guys in the gym together, working out, playing, 
Uh, and then you can find them not not just doing that. As soon as the run is over, as soon as the workout's over, they're going to get a smoothie together. You know, they're just spending the time. And so when, when you when you spend the time with like-minded folks and then you go, you reach back and you grab the next one and say, hey, man, this is how we did it. And it, you just see it continue to, to go on and go on. And you watch so many guys go through that same process, just come out of it, look all the better for it. So uh, I think it's just that fraternity, man, just having guys who are present, available, and care, right? And then they just they love on each other. They support each other. They hold each other accountable. Um, and it just it, it, it breeds what you've seen, right? You mentioned a fraternity of great Seattle basketball players. Who was it for you that really set the example? Uh, I, I've talked to a number of guys on this ISO podcast from Seattle, guys like Doug Wren, Jamal Crawford, Will Conroy. Yep. Um, yep. Who was it for you that set the example? So Doug Christie was the example. Um, Doug, I remember being the youngest guy in the gym at the time. Um, he had a gym out in Federal Way. Um, and he always, he said, no women, no arguing, you don't call fouls. His, at the time, uh, his agent would call the fouls. <laughs> and, uh, and he would maybe call four fouls a day. <laughs> so it was just grown men, nothing extra. We're here to work. Let's get this work. Everything was serious. Everything was about business. Um, I can remember Doug. This is the example he said. Doug would, he would, I remember him asking me to come in before the actual run to work out with him. And he would have on ankle weights, a weight vest, and those strength shoes. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember way back in the day when we yeah. had those strength shoes, those jump soles. Yes. So, <laughs> so he would have all of that on and doing all the same stuff that I was doing in terms of the workout moving way faster than I could with all of that on. That was the example. There was no shortcut. It was just do the work. Show up early, do the work, stay late, right? That was, that was it. That's it be about that, your business, man. And he, he, was, he, he lived that. And that's so, tremendous. I, I remember as a high school kid, I had the ability and opportunity to go work out at the pro club. Uh, a sports club in Redmond a number of times and work out with some NBA guys, college guys at the time. Doug Christie was there many times. And I was blown yep. away as a young kid as well just by his – I mean, he was well into his NBA career at that point. But his attention to detail and, and the yep. preparation that you mentioned, his work ethic. But guys don't get that unless there's also a good culture behind them of high school coaches. And if you look at, you know, high school coaches in the city of Seattle – I would say they're pretty darn good. Who was your high school coach and how did he impact you? So the first coach I had for my first three years was Ron Drayton, who um, by all accounts, I mean, this is not me uh, speaking down on his name at all. I have nothing but the utmost respect for him and everything he's done. But he was a little militant. Um, I think by all accounts, people will say he was militant. Ron Drayton, then my senior year, uh, Coach Kerr was hired. Jason Kerr, who's now at O'Day. Um, both coaches had different different mindsets, but great impact either way, right? They both had great impact. Jason Kerr, I don't know how many state championships he's won so far, but a, a 
a ton, maybe five or six. Um, when I got to Franklin, Ron Drayton, Coach Drayton was coming off his, a back-to-back with Jason Terry. He had one back-to-back state championships with Jason Terry. So that's both legendary coaches, right? Yeah, Jason Kerr, obviously, he's he's done a heck of a job at O'Day. And I've, I've heard the name Ron Drayton mentioned a number of times. And, I mean, whether you have great players or not, you got to put them in the right spots. And I've heard a lot of good things said about Coach Drayton and his time at Franklin. No, so, so Coach Drayton was, when I say militant, I, I mean, geez, let me give you a little bit of a taste of what kind of things he had us doing. Um, in order to try out for his team, you had to be able to run a mile under six minutes, and then you had to be able to run four miles, miles under 28 minutes. If you couldn't complete those tests, you couldn't even try out. So you could have – did that shy away any big guys uh, from joining the team that might have been great in the pick and roll for you? <laughs> Not just big guys. I mean, I can tell you this, and I'm probably get in trouble for this. This might be a – I can tell you Jamal was at Franklin. Um, I can tell you Doug Wren was at Franklin at one point for Coach Drayton. He was a little too tough. <laughs> wow. And those are I mean, two – you know, Yeah. And, and Jamal's not a guy to shy away from hard work at all. I've seen him. He's obviously extended his career. But I guess it's a little different for Jamal because if the ball's not in his hands, you know, yeah. it, it's not as appealing to him. So that does make no. a little bit of sense. <laughs> right. We know he's a wizard when it comes to that. There's no sure. debate. He's second to none there. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a, those are good stories. Now, you, after playing at Eastern and earning Honorable Mention All-American Awards, you went and played 10 years in, in Europe professionally. Most people don't understand how difficult that is to do. Um, do you have maybe one story that just kind of um, stands out to you as like, man, I, I made it through that in Europe that the average fan doesn't realize how, how difficult it is to do? Um, yeah, I mean – I, there's tons, right? I, I, I could tell you tons, but one that I think is the easiest for someone to understand is um, there are times when I've been approached by the general manager and or the coach, and they've said, you got to get 25 tonight or you're going home. They're, we're going to release you. And at, at that, that just leaving it like that doesn't do it justice. So what I, kind of the backdrop is, in that moment at let's say 28 years old, right? You're responsible for not only yourself. Uh, at that time for me, at least, I was looking out for a number of folks in my family, my, my, my nephews and nieces. And imagine no longer having a source of income because this coach releases you or this general manager is not satisfied with your performance. There's no other option. You're getting 25 to make <laughs> You're not going home. so. I just think that a lot of folks in their regular lives or whatever you want to call it, that's not, it doesn't always feel as high stakes. You're not just getting cut in the moment from, or fired in the moment. Not by, not because you made a mistake, but because you didn't, you weren't amazing. You, you may make a mistake at your regular job, but they're not asking you to get 25. They're not asking you to hit a home run. They're not asking it's just different, you know? Yeah. So. That's, I've heard a lot of stories similar to what you're alluding to. And I know for, for myself with two short stints in Europe, 
the pressure on the imports from America to perform are much different than other guys in Europe. Now you took that experience, you built a network and I can only imagine your, your passion stayed with the game of basketball. Now you're imparting that knowledge, that network to help the current up and coming group of players fulfill their dreams by playing over in Europe, by being an agent. How did you get into that line of work? Um, so you'd have to know a little bit about my story. So what I would say is I played it at the same high school for all four years, right? I played at the same college all four years. And then I was with my agent all 10 years, the same agent all 10 years of my career, right? After finishing that 10 years, he wanted me to work with him. And so the first few years I worked with him, the first five years actually that I was done playing, I worked with him until recently, uh, last two years, I bought the company from him. And now I own the company and it's just, it's, it's my baby. And I feel like I, you know, I've been here, what, 17 years now with this thing from player to, to agent. Um, and so it, it's my baby. It's become synonymous with Alvin actually my name so so with with having such a passion for the company that you now own and you represent players through it right how are you able to kind of impart your knowledge of, of how to make a career last in Europe to the current group of guys that you're representing um I like to think because I lived it did it for so long, I think these guys are more open to hearing from me. Um, I can empathize, I can sympathize, they know I've been there, right? Uh, and so the first part is just having an open ear, and I get that from guys. And I, I respect that, right? I, I appreciate it and then I respect it. And so being that I respect it, I come at them in a way that I think they can receive from me. Um, and then the other thing is they see my commitment to them. I, I spend every day with them in the summer. Uh, when they, most of my guys come back to Seattle to train, and I'm and I'm at the gym every day with them. We have a trainer in the gym training, but I'm in the gym with them every day. Um, so they know that I care. They know that it's a little different with me. They know that I'm actually passionate about them and their successes. I'm, I'm I live. I'm a part of their failures, and I and I stand with them through it. They come to me for every everything all parts of their life right so uh, I think that also allows me uh, to speak in a way that typically agents can't in some of these conversations that they have with their clients sure you know I can hear the passion in your voice that you have for your current role uh, as owner and agent of worldwide sports management but I hear the passion because the guys are coming back to work with you in Seattle. And I've heard the passion in yep. your voice talking about Seattle basketball. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here before, before I let you go. And this is a tough one. Now, this is a tough one because there's so many good players. But give me your Seattle starting five. Oh, okay. I got it, it, it's a little easier than, hey, give me your best player. That's a, that's right. a hard one because you're going to hurt someone. No, I appreciate that. Starting five, I think, is a little easier. <laughs> Here's what I'll do. I mean, you gotta go 
So wait, are we, are, do positions matter? Are we playing 2020 basketball well, or is it positionless? I mean, the game's evolved. It's positionless. You know, I watched college basketball this morning, at least I was. You had four guys under 6'6 six, six on the floor at one time, and then the yep. five man wanted to step out and shoot all three. So it's your call. <laughs> Who's your starting five? Okay, so if that's the case, and I got to go Jason Terry. I got to go Jamal Crawford. I got to go Brandon Roy. And this is where it gets tricky. Um, do I – I got another caveat. Do I get to include – no, nah, I'm not going to go there. He's not from here. I, don't, I can't do that. I was going to say Michael Porter, but I can't. People will It's so me. funny you say that because <laughs> – SP Live, we ran a uh, we ran a greatest high school player of all time from the state of Washington, and that was the biggest question that came up to uh, to our people that were tallying the votes was, do we count him as a Washington guy or is he truly from Missouri? Um, so I'll let you go in any direction you want with him. So well, I'll go here. I'll go. I'll go. Nate Robinson, Aaron Brooks. How's that? That's a heck of a starting five. I mean, you're, you're talking. <laughs> We're talking five guards, but five very good guards who had very long NBA careers. And to be honest with you, if Brandon Roy didn't get hurt, I was teammates with him yeah. for in the NBA. If, if Brandon Roy didn't get hurt, he might have been a Hall of Famer. He was unbelievably yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Alvin, I appreciate the time. I'll let you go. Uh, I look forward to the time that instead of talking over Zoom, we get a chance to see each other in the gym again at some point. Because uh, typically our paths cross once or twice during the basketball season. So thanks yeah, again. Stay safe. Thank you. You too. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.